Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to True Romance. My name is Devin. And Leary. this is Carol. Oh, oh, okay. you see, we're not That's used to doing it that way. It's we're starting this way. It that way. No, it's subconscious. She thinks she belongs first, so she spoke in the middle of me speaking. Um, listen, this is Devin Leary, and I'm just as important as Carolina Barlow. This is Carolina Barlow, and I'm just as point. I and oh, I, I, you're what? I can barely and function. And you're what? After not announcing the podcast, it's true. I can barely function. She's malfunctioning. She's literally glitching. You guys, we have to talk podcast culture. Headlines. Headlines. Jennifer Lopez. Um, <laughs> that's not a headline, but I like saying that in an Australian but accent. I will say that's not a headline, but sorry, I cut you off, Carolina, but I do have a piece of personal news. Sure. I have decided to sell two out of three of the most expensive clothing and accessory items that I own, all of which came from one of my ex-boyfriends. But I threw them up on Poshmark, and one of them is a pair of sneaker wedges that J-Lo has worn. Yeah, she wore them in about 2015, but she still wore them. She still wore them. But they're not the same shoe, right? I mean, it's not the same one she wore. Okay, but I, there we go. I did, but I did include a photo of her wearing them in my like ad to buy my thing Smart. on Poshmark. And I felt a little scammy because I was like, mine are worn and hers are probably perfect. Mine are size gargantuan. Hers are probably size 5.5 or something. Well, speaking of the podcast industry and headlines, I'd like to talk a little bit. And I actually don't want to talk about him. I'd rather talk about his defender. But of course, we've known, it's been evident, Joe Rogan is so hyper mediocre, it's embarrassing. And he's been peddling misinformation to millions of people about vaccines. He took ivermectin, which is dewormer for cows. And also, we've just come to find out that he has said racial slurs over 100 times on his own show and hosted white supremacists. He's just an awful, awful, I would go as f- so far to say human, and he should not be himself as he is now in any industry. I didn't realize he was a comedian. I he thought, hosted like, Fear Factor. I knew that, but I was like, okay, wait, he looks like the Hulk version of his former self who hosted Fear Factor, but I didn't know him to be of any other industry besides Fear Factor host, and then now I'm learning he was a comedian. That's the thing. Actually, a lot of people were coming to Devin's conclusion on Twitter where people were literally tweeting, I'm sorry, I'm sincerely did not know that comedy was what Joe Rogan was going after. And Whitney Cummings, who we touched on recently on the pod, she's a very interesting person, um, sometimes seems unwell. She, I follow her on Instagram because it's kind of like a shit show. I mean, you she even to. says that she to. is. It's just fully wild. 
And once in a while, she'll post herself on Joe Rogan. And I always think, why is she posting herself on Joe Rogan? Like, this seems like a person, she cares about animals. She kind of seems like one of us, a girl who loves skincare, animals, and the environment, and, you know, peace on earth. But she's showing her colors here. She tweeted, literally, this is after it came out that Joe Rogan has said the N-word. People are saying that his words are leading to people's COVID deaths, and that's why they want Spotify to take him down. And she tweets, comedians did not sign up to be your hero. It's our job to be irreverent and dangerous, to question authority and take you through a spooky, mental, haunted house so you can arrive at your own conclusions. Stay focused on the people we pay taxes to, to be moral leaders. My Twitter feed was nothing but making fun of this yesterday. Every tweet that I was reading was making fun of this. But my favorite one was Pallavi Ganalan's tweet, which said, comedians will be like, it's our job to say things that make you uncomfortable and then can't even tell their racist friend to shut the fuck up. Yep. It's like so weird and ridiculous. And it's obviously like her protecting some relationship she has that gets her probably millions of listeners too by hopping on his show once in a while. And it's so, it's so strange. It's like, you're asking an audience who is asking your friend to stop saying racial expletives. You're asking for their accountability? For what? For expecting people to be human? First of all, irreverent and dangerous are no. two completely different adjectives. Like irreverent, yes, I can see that. This is the thing, like, I can't remember. This comes up all the time, but I can't remember this the last time this came up where like a comedian did something and everyone was like, Oh, Dave Chappelle, like Dave Chappelle say. saying, um, Dave Chappelle saying hateful things about trans people. People are like, listen, like they're comedians, like that's what comedians do. And it's like there's a difference between comedy that's like edgy and like a comedic take that takes a risk and saying things that directly could lead to violence and harm. Yes. And that's what these two people have done. But what I have to say about it is. Whitney Cummings has always reminded me of a former self of mine, which when I was in college and I was obsessed with this guy who didn't like me back and he was a total douchebag piece of shit as they tend to be. I one time was hanging out with him and a bunch of his friends and they were talking about how everyone at our school was like obsessed with feminism and they basically don't believe in feminism. And I was like, me too. Like, I don't care about this shit. Like whatever I said, I don't remember word for word. But I just remember being like, yeah, I don't care about like women's rights, like whatever. And it was because I liked this guy and I wanted all his friends to be like, she's the cool girl. That is Whitney Cummings. Like, I feel like every male right. comedian that, that gets called out, she's like, uh, my bro, uh, he's cool. Everyone calm down just so she can like exactly hang out with like Dave Chappelle and all these people and feel like she's still the cool girl. Same vibe with Michelle Wolf. I don't know if we've talked about her, but like her defense of Dave Chappelle where it's like, there's just this vibe of like, I'm going to be the girl that the guys are like, she's the cool one. And I just have compassion for that because I don't want to be in that room anymore. And I feel like she does. And that's sad. And also like it reeks through her Instagram stories where she's like, oh, my God, like I just get naked and whatever. Like I love signing people's tits. Uh, it's like, yeah, there there is a little bit of like the tomboy slut avatar, like how we play with that, which again, I identify with. I'm not calling her a slut. I'm saying performative. <laughs> I mean, what I'm saying is that she's not a feminist and she's a slut. <laughs> <laughs> Sluts aren't feminists and neither are we. Saying that comedians aren't your heroes and the self-importance of they're supposed to be irreverent and dangerous to question authority and take you through a spooky mental haunted house. Mark Maron tweeted under her and wrote, you forgot like to be funny. Like, oh! you you didn't even say anything about that. And then Tim Heidecker commented, I signed up to be your hero. <laughs> <laughs> Tim Heidecker, I think, did, like, a 12-hour podcast that was a parody of Joe Rogan. It was, like, he was parodying the fact that they just keep talking oh, about love. nothing. No, it's also, like, hey, Wit, no offense, but you had, like, multiple sitcoms. I don't think on, like, you know, regular networks with broad comedy, like you produced Roseanne. I don't think you're taking anyone through a spooky haunted house of like darkness. Like people were literally tweeting her old st comedy stand up bits that were like 
Here's Whitney talking about fake boobs. Like, this isn't irreverent, crazy stuff. This is stuff literally you could get from, like, your average 25-year-old female comic at the Chuckle Barn. I'm at sorry. At the fucking it's, Chuckle Barn! It's just, I'm, I'm so over it. And I, I just, I, uh, it makes me, it made me, I was just obsessed with her and how she posts about, like, ego and stuff all the time. But there was no part of her that was going to apologize for saying something when you could really just shut the fuck up. You know, I was talking to you about it with friends today and I said, you know, the only thing I would have to say about trans rights is that they matter and um, that they're cool. But no one's waiting for my statement. Do you know what right, I mean? Right, yeah. <laughs> like, all I have to say about Joe Rogan is um, that he's racist and that his misinformation is definitely killing people. But I don't have to come up with a nuanced take you know, right. someone was like, you don't have to defend podcasts. If anyone out there is defending us, we actually do need that. So I appreciate it. But in general, Joe Rogan doesn't need to be defended. Anyway, that is my rant. But I'm I'm just off the train. Then I started, I went down a rabbit hole. I look up old tweets of hers. I remember the whole Roseanne controversy. Yeah. She, tried to, she brought Roseanne back in the picture. Why, why, why? Why? Then she defended it by saying, I really want to reach across the aisle. I want to Shut understand. the fuck up. I really want to understand what other people are saying. I don't like when like people are ignoring these people. And then these people are voting stupid. And she says, and I don't want to be like one of those libtards, says the word libtard. Okay, goodbye. And I quote, I mean. Bye, 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 bye. So I think I'm over her. She's very all sides. Everyone who's been defending Joe Rogan. And by the way, I will say that Jewel and Wow are two of many people no. who are in the comments of his apology video, Joe Rogan saying like, you're doing the right thing. I totally no. agree with the you. The singer-songwriter, Jewel, my hands? Yes. My hands are small, I know, and they're nachos. Nachos. So it's hard. It's a rude awakening. I thought Wow was woke, and she's not. She tweeted something about Free Britney, and I was like, she's a Democrat, <laughs> and she's a Democrat. She wants to expand the court. <laughs> and she's a Democrat. Um, Medicare so, for all. Yeah, so it's tough to have these rude awakenings, but the argument all around seems to be like, but he's opening up discourses to like multiple, and it's like, no, goodbye. I don't need to hear discourse about not believing in medicine. So... That is that. And do you want to move on or do you want to keep talking about it? I would love to move on to our next topic, which will dive into our main subject today. Today, we are going to talk about the Tinder Swindler. It is a new Netflix documentary that I'm sure you have seen. But before we discuss, Devin, you brought up a recent TikTok phenomenon. I mean, it's not even recent. It actually, so I was at a small gathering of tested individuals uh-huh sure she went to go <laughs> see joe rogan live <laughs> no so i was talking about the tinder swindler because i had just watched the documentary at this gathering and someone was like oh that's like west elm caleb love bombing and i was like wait what is west elm caleb everyone was in shock and awe i guess this happened like weeks ago and we're late to the i'm not trend. late but but i wasn't paying attention okay so, but i didn't do anything wrong so you didn't do anything wrong, but apparently this guy did. But the discussion is about how wrong it actually was. Basically, this woman posted a TikTok about getting ghosted after one date. And she had said in the caption something about Caleb. And someone commented, was it West Elm Caleb? Basically, TikTok brought together all these women who were connected by the algorithm in a way because all of their numbers were in the same person's phone, which is like a freaky so TikTok weird. thing. So like basically all these women found each other, John Tucker must die style. And <laughs> that, is, that is exactly the formation. And they were like, wait, you were ghosted by West Elm Caleb. You were ghosted by West Elm Caleb. He's a furniture designer at West Elm. For some reason I was picturing like someone who actually just works in the store Me and comes, comes up to you and is like, Hey, so you're thinking I'm about West buying some, Hey, I'm Russell Caleb. So were you thinking about buying a discount velvet uh, pillow? But he was a designer there. Basically, these women shared their stories and connected on the same harms that he did to all of them, which included ghosting people. I think that that's up for discussion, whether it was ghosting or not. But I think basically like he would go on one really good date 
with a woman, send her multiple very flattering, exciting text messages and then stop responding or go to like a few texts a week and then completely stop. And he sent one person minimum and unsolicited dick pic. Unfortunate. Not great. This is probably my favorite one. He recycled the same Spotify playlist (laughs) and sent it to multiple women saying he made it just for them. On the one hand, though, we've all done a version of that. I do understand it where you're like, okay, well, I already have the playlist. Like, I might as well say I made this for you. It's like if you already have like, you know, for me, it's like I buy a lot of candy. Like just in general, I tend to buy candy and then sometimes I'll bring it to someone's house like oh I got this and like I, as if I'm giving a gift when really it was something for myself but I just have a lot of candy We're sharing like, it yeah so I kind of get that he did a classic thing which will relate a lot to the tinder swindler where he's lying about like I'm not on hinge anymore I deleted the app and saying that he's never even been on a hinge date before this is his first time and he was dating several women at once and Again, like copy and pasting text messages to each of them. So basically, he was a fuckboy. There's a tweet in this BuzzFeed article from at Jonkolin Hill. And it says, maybe it's because I'm a child of Rihanna forged in the fires of chaos. But Mm -hmm. what is so special about West Elm Caleb? Men text you Spotify playlists, then ghost you every day. Explain to me like I'm five, please. I felt a similar way where I was like, yeah, is this so bad? No, it's not. Listen, whoever got the dick pic, that fucking sucks. And I'm not trying to minimize that. Going on a date that feels like it went really well and not hearing back from the person is a part of the human experience. I think it's been happening for centuries in different forms. I really don't think it's abusive to decide I don't feel like I want to see that person again. And I'm not going to tell them I don't want to see them again. I've had people ghost me. I've ghosted people. And, and, and like Devin said, we use that word ghost. So shorthand now, a lot of people don't remember the etymology, which is that we started saying it after Sean Penn and Charlize Theron were engaged. And there was a rumor that she completely stopped talking to him. And so it was sort of like big dick energy. All of a sudden they were like, Charlize Theron ghosted her fiance, Sean Penn, just stop talking to him, just cut him out of your life. And so I do think that exists. I think I think the long-term seduction of you thinking like, wait, this is my boyfriend, this is my boyfriend, and then suddenly being like, whoa, he's now responding to my calls, we were supposed to have dinner, he was supposed to meet my family. That is a serious ghosting situation, which I think is really fucked up. Not calling you after hooking up, like, this is the thing that I've been realizing with my own life, and I'm ascribing it to friendships, but it is that the person who I've decided is my friend um, based on my interest in being their friend, not based on their behavior, doesn't owe me anything. I've made the decision that they're my friend. They haven't proven that to me. I've given them my trust, basically. And so it's the same kind of with relationships where it's like, okay, if I choose to sleep with someone, they haven't, and they haven't given me like the information or the security of like, I'm going to be here tomorrow. I want to see where this is going. Da, 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 da. I don't really get to get that upset if I don't see a future in it or if future doesn't come from it. Does that make sense? Yeah. You're sleeping with them. I mean, I'm sorry, but like, welcome to dating. And like, I I was like, oh, I've gone after so many guys like this. And I think that's just a part of dating. I don't know. There's a lot of talk about it being love bombing. And I do think it's like fucked up. I mean, I've had this conversation with a friend before where she was like, this guy she had been on an online date with was like, he's been texting me nonstop. And like, he's been, you know, this and that. But Like, I hope it's not too good to be true. And I remember saying like, yeah, I mean, I have no predictions because men have surprised me in every possible way. Like, it's like people have done the weirdest shit. It's like people act super into it and then fall off the face of the earth. People talk about introducing you to their families and then like weirdly ghost you and then text you about Love Island two weeks later and then never talk to you again. Oh, yeah, that was fun. (laughs) So... People do weird stuff like that. And I think it definitely is a sign of someone who like isn't trustworthy and is dishonest with themselves and with others. Maybe Caleb is someone who is dishonest with himself and others and really likes attention and uses that in a manipulative way. But I think when we talk about the Tinder swindler, it's like love bombing is abusive when it's then followed up with like the next phase, which is like degrading someone, icing them out. Like that has been more painful in my experience than 
someone acting super into it and then ghosting. I've had conversations with guys where I felt like we are on the same. Oh, my God. This guy really, really, really likes me. Okay, we are on where conversation is flowing. This is obvious. This is something. And then nothing. Or then I see him with another girl at like a party or something like that. I've had multiple experiences like that. And even knowing what love bombing is, I would never call it that. Like yeah. that is just kind of ships in the night. It's like, oh yeah, there, there might've been something there, but I was too tall or he was trying to hook up with younger girls or I don't even know. But that was like two people having fun who did not have the same priorities or paths really or styles of partnership. And again, we're not saying he doesn't suck or isn't a douchebag. We're just saying that like I... I think we both agree with this BuzzFeed article, which was basically saying, why was this person doxxed? Like they're not so crazy, you know, like they're not like Karen or someone who's committing like racist harm or taking their mask off and breathing on people like someone tweeted too. they were they were like, it's messed up to try to like be friends with someone only to hook up with them. And everyone was responding to me like, wait, how should I try to hook up with someone? (laughs) That's what I do. I want you. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Jean Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Speaking of love bombing, we're going to talk about, for the rest of the episode, a true case of some of the most harmful love bombing I've ever seen. (laughs) This is this love bombing. Calling this love bombing is crazy. So I want to talk about my journey (laughs) with this movie, which is that 
My mom and I were trying to watch a true crime documentary together and we were going through these lists on Reddit of like best new true crime documentaries. We're like, seen it, seen it. I had actually mentioned her. I'm like, oh, I saw on Netflix something called Tinder Swindler. And she was like, no. And then I could tell we were both on the same Reddit article (laughs) because it said that the Tinder Swindler was one of the best new true crime docs. And she goes, I actually do want to watch the Tinder Swindler. And I was like, okay, so you're watching, you're reading this. But basically this is a documentary. It's starts out with a description of online dating as told by a woman named Cecilia. So she and this other woman who they're starting to show, whose name is Pernilla, they're both talking about swiping, 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 not finding the right guy, and then finally coming across the profile of a man named Simon, who was a billionaire's son. And they both talk about being wowed by like his private jets and his cars and all of these in his pictures that he offered online. He's holding up a Rolex watch. He's in a cockpit. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's driving a fancy car. It's a lot. I'm saying this because I feel like we've all been on the apps long enough to know that if you see a guy flexing anything like this, you know it's a left. You know swipe, swipe that left. Also, I... I learned in my online dating days not to just easily fall for the guy who has like a kitten or a puppy. But apparently (laughs) Cecilia didn't feel that way because she was like, oh, my God, when he has a cat, like then, you know, this guy is special or something. I I was with her in the beginning. I'm like, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yes. Like online dating. Tinder is hard. You go through all these. And then I started to divest a little bit um, when she talked about Disney movies and Mm -hmm. relating strongly to the character of Belle, which to me. There's there's a phenomenon of adult women who see themselves in Disney characters still. And it's a, it's a Taylor Swift kind of vibe in a bad way. It's a little bit like, I'm just a little girl in the dress, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, it's just not where I relate to. And I felt like if Cecilia had stopped watching Disney movies and started watching as many Forensic Files and 2020 episodes that I've seen, she would be less optimistic and blindly naive about men and I'm not blaming her at all I just like I felt a little bit like maybe she would have seen some red red flags in this profile I mean she says that she went on her first date with Simon on a private jet to a different country and she shows her text messages with her friends where she's like so I'm going on a jet with a guy that I just met and they're all like okay absolutely not no and she's like you guys like YOLO I was like imagine it's absolutely insane. They go to, I want to say, Bulgaria on their first date. Um, Something like that. And she says he brought his child and the no. mother on the first date. So, like, this whole episode is going to be really hard for me not to victim blame. And I do not want to do that. My disclaimer for all of this is that I, I think the documentary did well is at the top. Cecile says. Cecilia. It doesn't matter. She no, says Caroline, it matters. I'm not Say trying her to name. victim blame, but it doesn't matter what her name is. <laughs> I she says love is what life is all about. And because when I've been in love, I've been the happiest. So I sympathize with that feeling. I know what that feeling feels like. I don't necessarily think that romantic love is the end all and be all, but I know that as a female, it gets pitched to us that way a lot. So you do end up taking risks if you do believe that it's the most treasurable thing that makes your life worthy. And some of those risks include going on a jet with someone you have only met via your phone screen. This guy, I mean, we understand that he is a fucking con man or you will. I swindler didn't get you. But for someone who's conning people out of their money, he is living like a fucking king. He lives like I live when I get one paycheck. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's pretty crazy. And there were some things that I was like, how is this impressive? Like she was like, you know, he posted Instagram videos of his business meetings. And I was like, in normal business meetings, I do feel it might be jarring for someone to take out their camera and start filming. Also, his only friend is this guy named Peter who literally looks like a Game of Thrones villain. Simon will send videos and be like, here with Peter. And Peter's like, Hi. and I was like, how is this? You're like, oh, Peter's this is a security guard, too, though. Well, but that's like the only person he's ever with is Peter. Like, so Peter's <laughs> going to be in your wedding. Like, they're is that- best friends, Devin. It's like us. I'm sure there's guys out there talking the same thing about us. 
<laughs> she literally quoted Marilyn Monroe and I was like, she started to say Marilyn Monroe and I was like, but maybe it's a good quote. Like Marilyn Monroe was a deep thinker. She just was like, you know, and it, it wasn't. It was a line written for her for a movie from the 1950s where Marilyn Monroe says being pretty like isn't everything, but it helps basically. And that's and what like, she she compares it to a guy being rich. Like, don't you see being rich isn't everything, but it sure helps. I was like, Cecilia, this is what happened. I think you were popular in high school. I think it ruined you for life because I don't think you had to question people. I think everybody was nice to you. I don't think people had sinister intentions until now. And it set her up. That was just a moment where I was like, oh, okay." And then (laughs) this is where it starts to be like this thing with Cecilia and this other woman, Pranilla, who we're about to meet in the documentary They talk about the simplest things he does as if they're like the most groundbreaking, like this man is a hero things. And I think that is what's so sad about women online dating is like what we're okay with is why both the Menendez brothers are married. Mm -hmm. Like they're like, (laughs) so he asked a lot of questions on our first date and then he listened when I responded and he sent me text messages like every day and voice memos and the text messages are like, miss you, want to see you. This is a huge problem with me and him. Why me and Simon wouldn't work out is because he only texts invoice memos. So his texts are literally, can you think of a man in your life right now and think about if you got a text from him that was a voice (laughs) memo of him being like, we're cute together. Yes, we are, honey. I want you to be my girlfriend, but I have to tell you something. Like you would be so disturbed. (laughs) Cecilia would send a picture of herself in like a dress and he'd be like, ha ha, beautiful dress. Oh my gosh. It was as if he was making low budget cameos. You know, those cameos that are like for $50 or $20. Oh, you can get them for five. And I have. (laughs) You can tell that he's going down a production line of videos for a bunch of different girls because he's just so not thinking about it. Like, oh, very much. So good to see you. Very beautiful. Okay. Like, <laughs> cashing my, che- literally cashing my checks and moving on. So basically, he starts telling her, like, Carolina said, he's like, I want you to be my girlfriend. I have something to tell you. And the thing to tell her is that he has people threatening his life because of the $70 million diamond deals that he does. And there's people breaking into his apartment all the time. And there's one article that her friend sends her. So you can tell like Cecilia isn't saying it, but I can tell her friends are good friends because she's like, so then my friend sent me this article about him and how he was connected to Putin. And it shows like her text with her friend where her friend's like, hey, I think you should see this. And Cecilia goes, well, I hope everything's okay, but I am a bit worried. Imagine someone sends you like, hey, this is your boyfriend being involved with Vladimir Putin. And you're like, I hope everything's okay, But like, I don't love it, but I hope we get to still see each other tonight. Yeah. She's like, listen, I love love and I found love and I don't know what to tell you. Um, But she ends up checking Simon's because of all these articles about Putin and the weirdness (laughs) about 70 million dollar diamond deals. She checks his hinge or no, his Tinder, sorry, which is a classic move. That I have used and many of my friends have used where it's like you're dating someone. You want to see if he's still active on the apps. You check if he's added any new photos to his profile. She checks his Tinder and sees that he did update his profile. And to that I say, how dumb, stupid and dumb can you be? The Tinder swindler and you don't even know how to use Tinder. Everyone knows this, that you don't update your profile if you don't want people to know that you're still dating people. Yeah, that was really crazy. And I, and I of course, know the feeling of checking on someone that you match with, seeing that they have a updated account, being, you know, uh, being upset about that, or seeing someone that you match with that you would talk to, but never hooked up with again on the dating apps is always like a self-defeating thing. It's, it's, it's not sad. Like you lost someone. It's sad that you're on there. You know, yeah. it makes, you're like, oh, I don't want to be on this anymore. But to reiterate, Simon is not Dirty John. Dirty John, the con man, was literally wearing the same pair of scrubs every day that were dirty, a dirty pair of sneakers, and telling people that he was a surgeon. Um, This guy is at least shelling out cash for flights and, you know, bottle service. I mean, one of my favorites is when Pernilla, this next woman that we're going to be talking about, one night he just sends her a text that just says, party. And he's out at a club. <laughs> His texts are very short. He also sent he's one that just said little words. blood. And it was like... Which we'll get to, yes. So, but I also want to say, yeah, I do give credit. And this is 
to go against the victim blaming, I do give credit to the fact that he committed. It's not like these women barely knew him. He's catfishing them. Like he got into relationships with some of these women for like over a year before he started swindling them for cash. Like he actually dated them and he used money stolen from other women to pay for these like lavish things. Like it did seem very real. Like he was able to afford this stuff. His cards weren't getting declined as they have been for me and some people I've been on <laughs> dates with where it's like, oh, it looks like you can't you overdrew the account again. That wasn't happening for him. And yeah, he was dating people for like months at a time. He was about to move in with Cecilia when she found out what we're about to talk about. But first, we'll go to the fact that while he's dating Cecilia, we learn he's also been dating Pernilla, who I love from the start, even though she says that she was on Tinder looking for a world traveler and a, quote, impulsive guy, which I know impulsive isn't necessarily a bad word, but when connected to a man, that's something that can be irreverent and dangerous, I think. Impulsive, don't you think? Uh, I couldn't be looking for the opposite more. Like I know, also I don't world traveler, anyone... like, no. no. This guy's profile stresses me out. I would be like, no, 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 I don't like to fly unless it's completely within my control and there's professionals on board and I can, like, have my headphones on and don't talk to me the whole time and I have to fart the whole time because I have gas. Like, she's looking at this and excited and I'm like, I wouldn't be able to keep up with this lifestyle in the slightest. No, and I'm also, whenever I see a guy like that, I'm like, we couldn't be more off. We just yeah. couldn't be I've I've met guys like who are super flashy and I'm just and they always look at me like I don't even know. And I'm like, me neither. Me neither. What would we even say to each other? So Pranilla talks about how he's really nice. They go out to dinner. She actually says she isn't interested in him romantically and she tells him that, but they're going to be friends, which this is an arc throughout the whole movie that I never understood. Like they're not dating their friends, but they say babe to each other like it's unclear. It's unclear if I was his girlfriend, which he had many of, I would be like, so wait, this is like your really hot, beautiful, best female friend who calls you babe and stuff. But he asked her for her passport so he can book a flight for her. <laughs> and that was a red flag. I have had friends date a really rich person who asked for their like their information to book them a flight and they did it like that's the thing i i completely agree with you we're not victim blaming because this is crazy i understand that for the first 50 percent of the relationship you feel like you are being swooned yes wound swooned wait wound? you thought it was wound wooed oh wooed yes oh wooed yeah you're right swooned <laughs> yes, is yes. like i swooned for him okay so she's talking about him and she's like, some people are battery drainers and some people are battery chargers and he was my battery charger. And then it cuts to a video of him going, work hard, play hard. And I was like, okay. Yeah, he's really something special. And he would do stuff like fly her across the country just to have coffee together. And this always reminding me of that book, The Five Types of People That Can Ruin Your Life that wow. we talked about. Yeah. Where it's like the author talks about how if someone does something on a first date that most people wouldn't do even whether it's good or bad that's a red flag like even if it's this lavish thing of like i'm actually gonna fly you in a private jet for our first date that's a red flag because most people wouldn't do that the story that they use in that book is a girl's on a date with a guy who slaps her ass and laughs on the first date and talking to someone about it they were like would you do you think 90 percent of people would slap your ass and laugh about it on the first date and she was like no and it's like yeah don't go out with that guy yeah He's not quirky, okay? He's not in comedy. He's just a weirdo. He's weird. So the this is the moment where I literally mm -hmm. had to stop watching the movie because I got a call. And it was when they <laughs> cut back to Cecilia and she's talking about how great it is with Simon. And I did relate to her a lot where she was talking about like after the first date, she was like, I'll probably never hear from this guy again. Then he texts her first thing in the morning and is like thinking of you, like all the stuff that when you've been online dating for an extensive period of time, it feels like, oh, my God, someone's finally doing the things I wanted them to do, even though they're very base level things. Men are trash and it is rare. So everything takes a turn when she gets <laughs> when she gets a text from Simon in the middle of the night that says Peter period blood period. So disturbing. And obviously we know Peter is his only friend. He sends her a video from an ambulance where <laughs> Peter has like blood on his head dripping down. Like I have to say, like, it looks like 
painful, but it doesn't look super bad. Like, I wasn't like, this man is in dire condition. He had, like, blood dripping down his face. It's also so clear that he was like, I'll pay you $5,000 to hit a bottle over your head. I know. And this woman is just there. And Simon goes, well, this is the night. We are in a war. We need to be strong. Then he texts, (laughs) go to sleep. (laughs) Can you imagine? The reason for this whole thing with the bloody Peter is... (laughs) For him to be able to have a reason to say to Cecilia that he can't use his credit cards anymore because the person who attacked Peter was actually trying to attack Simon and Peter saved his life, which, okay. Um, And so he asks for $25,000 cash since he can't use a credit card. First of all, is that like, I mean, that's what I make in a year. That's what he needs just to get through the next few months while he can't use his credit card. Shocking, stunning. I completely see how this go how this works so well for him. First of all, he's convinced these women that that is the manner of which he lives. Second of all, they've been not living off of him, but he's been entertaining them. So it feels a little bit like, okay, well, I'm attached to this person. He's taking care of me. He's going to take care of me for the rest of my life. And all I need to do is help him with his lifestyle while we're at war, like he said. Yes. And she takes out a loan for him. And there was some confusing thing about how like he basically made her a technical employee of his. So he so that they could explain why she was giving him ninety four thousand dollars a month to use on Amex. Oh, no. So that that, that's what that could explain why she needed that much um, and why she had such a high maximum on her card. Meanwhile, so basically Cecilia is funneling all this cash to him by taking out loans. She doesn't have that amount of money. She's taking out loans for it. And Simon is using that money for lavish dates with his new girlfriend, Paulina, and his friend, quote unquote, Pernilla. And they're basically like we're hearing Cecilia talk about like him asking for money and then show him on dates in Rome doing crazy stuff with Pernilla and the girlfriend. They spend $20,000 in three days. He keeps telling Cecilia that her support at this time is making him realize that she's the one and she's saving his life. If she stops giving him money, he's going to die. She even said, I think it was her who said at one point, like she was like, I had the responsibility of like a person's life on my hands. Like he was saying he was going to get killed if I didn't like send him the money. And she gave him at minimum a total of $250,000, which I can't. I paid $200 for Zipcar because I didn't really understand what Zipcar was and I thought that <laughs> sure. meant that like it's $200 for a year and then you have free cars whenever you want and it's not that right. and the first one I got had what looked like dried throw up in the back <laughs> and I was so regret I'm still regretful of it like I still am like what do I do like is there a way that I can like take down Zipcar like this is so unfair and all this stuff and meanwhile that's $200 that I'm out she's out 250000 And as soon as she's out that amount of money, he gives her a fake check. It doesn't work. He starts icing her out, like sending her really dark kind of abusive text messages and voice memos. And when she says this check isn't working, will you send me a new one? He's like, I I sent it to you. I sent it as if like, that's not my problem. It's nightmare, nightmare, nightmare times 20 million. So basically she's left in the dark as he's doing his love bombing to new targets now, Pernilla and Paulina. The creditors are closing in on her. She tries to get help from the police. They won't help her. The Amex support people actually did seem to help her. They were like, wait, this guy, we actually know who this guy is. Like, he's a scammer. And she's terrified. She's finding out that, like, who she thought of the love was the love of her life, had a fake identity. She moves in with her mom. He's calling her mom's landline, threatening her. No matter how many times she blocks him, he still gets in touch with her. And she ends up going to the psych ward. And she's kind of doing some mystery solving there, which I loved. Like she was like, I'm going to go find out who all these people were that I met through him. And then it cuts to Pernilla's side of the story where he starts sending Pernilla articles about how he was arrested for smuggling and Russia's involved and it's all a fake thing plotted by Russia and the police shut down his accounts and he needs $30,000. And he's like, it would be a huge, huge help. Which is literally what I say when <laughs> someone offers to like read a draft of an email for me. I'm like, thank you. This is a huge, huge help. Thank you so much. And he's like, can you give me your entire life savings? Thanks. Huge, huge help. And she does it. 
I often say that I'm impressed by the vulnerability of the human mind. And I think I mean it even more in terms of like, this isn't victim blaming when I say that like we build stories around things that suddenly don't have narratives. And it's like, this guy is taking care of me. Like we will fill in the circles. I understand wanting to believe that this guy isn't a fraud if you had spent time with him and enjoyed his company and believed his stories. Yeah, it's like what we talked about with, what was that lawyer's name in the beginning? Laura Wasser? Yeah. Like, people show us who they are, but we, like, choose not to see it because it's just sometimes easier not to, especially the deeper you sink into this hole where it's like, it's hard enough in my experience to admit that my boyfriend is maybe not the person I thought he was. They have that on top of, and to admit that now I'm out $250,000 and I've been scammed. Like, it's just so hard to break through that. And I think I would be in a psych ward too after that. Me too. I want true romance. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes about six million approximately 11 million dollars nearly 10 million dollars was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry she would probably have sex with one of her clients hide your money in your old rich man because <laughs> she is on the prowl listen to queen of the con season five the athlete whisperer on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts From the psych ward, Cecilia figures out that there are all these different women who've been scammed by him and he's given different fake jobs and things. And she ends up saying after going to the police and finding out that like he went to prison, but they let him out and he's now doing a new scam to someone else. Cecilia says, who's going to stop him? I am. And she goes Mm -hmm. to these journalists. This is truly a turn in the movie where it becomes like a thriller yeah even more where you're like okay these women are now going to try to take down this man because the police are doing nothing and it's really exciting and there is that great part where cecilia is like they needed you know my phone and to see all the texts and and i thought you know fine here have it and that is sincerely one of the bravest parts of the film it's heroism to see the text where I'm showing a guy the dress I'm wearing and to see him say, like, beautiful dress, you know, yeah. or blood, to the fact that they were willing to be like, yeah, here's all the ways I fell for this fucking asshole. 
you yeah. get to see it. And like she said, she's like, there's vulnerable pictures. There's pictures of me in bed, but I have to do it to get him. And yep. I just think that's really cool. Yeah. And truly, they are so brave. And basically, Cecilia finds all these victims with the journalists. One of them turns out was the woman who was pretending to be his ex-wife with the mm -hmm. kid. Yeah. She's she's still under his spell. She's still working for him. That was really dark. And also, they find his mom in Israel. They find all his fake identities that he's been using. The police in Israel are like, yeah, he's wanted. <laughs> but like yeah. basically but we're not doing anything about it and they're, they're like, like yeah oh we my know god him. meanwhile pernilla is getting nervous about the fact that she gave all this money to simon and he sends her as a thank you forty thousand dollars and says merry xmas <laughs> which i was like okay <laughs> and she's like oh my god thank you so much simon and the check falls through of course and he's like well i'll just give you a watch instead ladies when you give him your life savings and he offers a watch in exchange you got to no. say no. You got to say no. So the journalists at this time reach out to Pernilla because somehow they found her through Cecilia's work with them. They're like, OK, he's scamming this woman, too. And they reach out to her. And at first she's like, oh, no, I still believe Simon. He's my, quote, really good friend, whatever that means. And she forwards the message to Simon. But then because he's so, like, weird and shady to her, she decides to get in touch with the journalist. She finds out the truth about him. She's overwhelmed. That same feeling of like, oh my God, I have to admit that I've been scammed by this asshole. What the fuck? And she decides to help them. Again, so brave beyond anything I can imagine. She basically has to go undercover to... She is one of two women who go undercover as agents to do what the police were not doing to get this man. And she goes to dinner with him to prove to these journalists that he's scamming and she knows at dinner, she talks about how she knows he's using someone else's money and he's like buying everything off the menu. And she's just so angry, like knowing there's another woman who's being victimized yeah. right now. And then Simon notices that the journalist is outside taking photos and he pulls Pernilla into a car and starts driving like 100 miles per hour down the freeway. Like what the actual fuck screaming. Thank God she's like, please pull over and let me out. And, and they let her out because they don't know she's involved. And... It's so like I was just on pins and needles waiting to find out what happened. Eventually, she gets the opportunity to call him with the journalist and try to confront him, which I was laughing at because <laughs> she calls him and he goes, hey, what's up? Like, hey. And meanwhile, she's like, you just drove careening down the road with me at 100 miles per hour because someone <laughs> took a photo of you. Like everything is not OK. And she goes, I'm not so good, Simon. You can see right when she says that he knows everything like it all is pointed together. But his reaction was tragic, scary and really funny. Yes. Like, he says, like, you stop playing game with me now, but you're taking the piss out of me. You have no idea how much I love you. I was like, OK, like no matter what, he's a bad boyfriend at the very least. At the very least. He's a bad boyfriend at the very least. So through Pernilla, even though she gets nothing out of trying to confront him, they find out that the the plane ticket that that uh, Simon bought for Pernilla in order for her to go on like a date with him because that's normal to buy a flight for someone to go on a date. They find that it was paid for by another woman. Everyone, please get ready. This is where in the movie we meet my hero, my angel, my queen of everything. A woman who has <laughs> changed me. A woman who I will never recover from witnessing on screen. Her name is Aileen. I couldn't be more obsessed. She was meant for the screen. She is someone who's been dating Simon for 14 months. She comes into the story because she's casually scrolling through Instagram. I want everyone to put themselves in her position A and imagine this. Moment. She's scrolling casually through Instagram and sees an article come up in a reputable news publication with a photo of her current boyfriend's face that says <laughs> the Tinder swindler. Can you imagine can you imagine? No, I can't. That was one of the most insane, stranger than fiction moments of the documentary. It's so shocking. And she literally expressed it. She's like, what the actual fuck is happening? <laughs> and she asked him about it. While she's on a plane to see him. Yes. And he says the article is fake. And she's like, okay, you're fake because she's perfect. And she right away gets it. But she goes to the police too and they suck again. They're like, well, we're going to need more time on this case. And Aileen says, quote, time is something I did not have. 
<laughs> so she searches for the women from the article. She goes right to the source. This is what I'm always saying too. Like women of our generation yes. are detectives. We know how to find out every single thing about a person. Like we know how to find previous family members' obituaries. We know how to do it. We've been there. We know someone's life story before even the first date. So she just goes straight to Instagram and she finds Pernilla and contacts her. And she says she realizes she's in a powerful position. She realizes that he's now, because of this article, he's not going to be able to get any more women interested. They're going to Google him. They're going to immediately find it out. And the reason he's in Prague, which is where she's going to see him, is because he had nowhere else to go. So she decides to fake him out. And she says, I was going to swindle the Tinder swindler. She knows what she has. This fucking bitch is so cool. And I'm no one. Like, I wanted to be like, I suck because I am not this person, but I'm trying not to negative self-talk. So sure. she starts faking nice to him. She says she's like pretending to call these women bitches. She's like, oh my God, these fucking bitches in the article. Like, they're so fake. They're your enemies. Because he's constantly like, it's my enemies. It's my enemies. <laughs> so she makes the conclusion that she's going to try to get her money back before she like tries to actually catch him. And he wears luxury fashion items and she works in that industry. So she asked him if she can sell his clothes as a way for him to make money since he's stuck in Prague and he says he can't get work because of this article. And he says yes. So she starts selling his clothes that were really expensive that he used her money and other women's money to pay for. She starts selling it to get the money back for her and the other victims. And she's like, whatever, just sell it, selling it for lower than it's worth, just trying to get money quickly. Yeah, getting rid of it. And meanwhile, she's in Prague and Simon says he wants to get plastic surgery so that people won't recognize him as the Tinder swindler. But the plastic surgeon won't do it because he said the only people who want entire facial reconstructive surgery are criminals. And that's where this quote comes in that has me shaking to my core on the floor. Aileen says, as I'm watching this pathetic man crying for not getting his plastic surgery, I thought... Quote, if you weren't such a piece of shit, I would feel sorry for you. We've all felt that way. Just if you weren't such a piece of shit, I would feel sorry for you. Like, yes, 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 yes. And I love her so much. She talks about how traumatizing it is to have to sleep next to him that night, which I can't even imagine. Like, you know, when you're like dating someone and it's like starting to sink in that you're like, okay, this person is kind of a piece of shit and I'm going to like break up with them. And then like when they touch you, it's like, don't touch me. Or like one guy that I felt like that about tried to give me advice once on something. It was literally something as simple as like how to use Google Maps. And I was like, the fact that you fucking think you can tell me shit about anything like that's how she feels. And she has to sleep next to this person and like pretend to be nice. She notes that. The next day when she's leaving, he doesn't even try to help her with her suitcase. Like, he's just a piece of shit. My favorite part is when she sells all his stuff and he has to stay at a hostel. And he's sending her the most self-pitying. It's literally me in middle school when I would, like, take digital (laughs) camera photos of myself crying and be like, today was really hard because I didn't get to go to the mall when I wanted to. He's sending her photos of him making a sad face in front of a hostel sign. And he's like, it only has one star. He's sending her pictures of leftovers that he's eating in a shopping (laughs) mall. Like, like. Like, look what my life has come to. Yeah. And he, one of his texts is, I'm poor as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Which I'm like, yeah, we all feel like sending that right now. He also says that he's a homeless king. And it's really amazing. Aileen is continuing to fake text with him. By the way, she's showing these voice memos where like one second he'll call and be like, I love you so much. Thank you. And then another second he'll call. He'll be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? My enemies do this. And she's just like, literally, whatever. I don't care. So one day she notices her texts aren't going through to him. And he had told her that he was going to go to Greece. And she puts two and two together. She's like, oh, my God, I think he's flying from Prague to Greece right now. And he's in the air. And that's why the text didn't go through. So she contacts the police and Interpol. She finds a flight from Greece to Athens where the timelines match up. She basically catches this guy like Aileen, Cecilia and Pernilla caught this Tinder swindler where the police could not. And they are responsible for Interpol getting him. But basically, Interpol and the police met him at the Athens airport where he was flying to and they arrested him. And there is a moment where. In Aileen's interview, she's like, I mean, I've never even told him some of this stuff until right now. And if he's watching this, hi, Simon. And I was like, yes, 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 yes. I really need more of that. 
I need more of Aileen. Like, I need Aileen to have a show. I need her to, like, whatever we can do to see more of Aileen in our lives. Like, <laughs> Aileen, if you're watching this, hi, Aileen. Hi. Like, please come. <laughs> please be on the pod. Like, we are so in awe of you. Please be my relationship counselor and my life coach. Like, anything that you can do for me, please. Olivia just texted to check in on our files. I feel like that's a beautiful place to end. Um, Yeah, so I guess the message is... Aileen over everything. Aileen over everything. Female friendships save lives. We depend upon them. So even if you say you're not a girl's girl, that's okay. A lot of girls don't identify as girl's girls, but you need another woman's eye on your paper. I love you, Devin. All right. Go to sleep, Carol. Love you. Go to sleep. Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.